this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. Thank you, everybody, for joining uh, our first podcast uh, for Woo-hoo. Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. There's so much going on. Um, I am Jamie Prater, and this is... Peter. Peter Haight. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be your hosts for uh, this podcast, and we're really excited about it. There's so much to talk about. Um, I really got into the Alien series when I was about, probably about 12 or 13. I couldn't see aliens in the theater i was about 10 when aliens came out and i saw it a clip of it on on um tv and i was asked my dad was watching i was like what is this and he was like it's aliens i'm like what and so i started going a little bit crazy at about 10 11 or maybe 12 13 not really sure um and then I heard about Alien 3, and that came out when I was 16, and I was raised, raised very religious, so I still couldn't see that in the theater either, because it was R-rated, um, but I was hearing all about it, and I bought the comics, and eventually I got to see it on video, um, and then Alien Resurrection came out, and I was 21, and I was crazy, crazy excited about it, and, I, you know, I used to build Alien sculptures, and Eventually, you know, I've been really active on AVP Galaxy under the name This Bethesda Sea. I eventually uh, interviewed Carlos Huante, who was the creature designer for Prometheus, uh, which was pr- published on AVP Galaxy. So I'm a huge Alien fan. And uh, so, Pete, tell me about how you started. Well, I've, I've been an Alien fan for about 15 years now, which is around three quarters of my life. Yeah. Um, I just remember... It was it was on DirecTV when I was very very young, and my mom was the one that got me in like all my favorite films like Star Wars, The Thing, all that stuff because it was on TV, and you know come, you said you came from a very religious household, and and I think I was quite the opposite of that. There was hardly any censorship, so you know I grew up watching really adult films, and I think that exposed me to a lot of interesting concepts up front, um, but particularly. My favorite Alien film is definitely the first one um, because you just have a really great aesthetic. You know, you have this believable world filled with, you know, real characters and you just have this incredible monster design. And I think that's the, you know, kind of the keystone for the entire series. Um, And it's, you know, it's just been adding up in interest. Like, I've really loved the Alien films, you know, for a very long time, very large part of my life. And I think now is a really good time to be an Alien fan because you have uh, Alien Isolation, which was phenomenal. Um, you have the 35th anniversary of the series in general this past year. Yep. You have Sigourney Weaver's birthday, which was October 8th, I believe, uh, the day after Isolation came out. And, um, you know, Prometheus 2 and, of course, Alien 5. Yep. So it's, it's really, really a good time to be an Alien fan. And I'm happy to contribute. Uh, you mentioned you interviewed one of the dudes from Prometheus, uh, yeah. the the art guys, right? Yep, Carlos Huante. He was specifically uh, put there to do creature designs for um, the Beacon, or sorry, the Beacon, the Deacon. Um, uh, you said he did the Ultramorph too, right? Yeah, he did several. Um, very, very cool. Yeah, he he was a great guy. You know, he we. Um, I conducted my interview with him. Actually, I contacted him through Facebook, and then I said, hey, I'd love to interview. Can I send you questions? And he was awesome. And then um, AVP Galaxy published the interview on their site, 
Um, but yeah, uh, which, I mean, uh, let's just start talking about uh, the big news, really, which is why this podcast even started. Because, you know, I, Neil Blomkamp uh, had posted uh, some concept art and uh, I went a little bit nuts as I'm sure you did and a bunch of other people and yeah, absolutely. yeah and he was like you know I think this was an, an abandoned idea or an idea I wanted to do that probably isn't going to happen and everybody went crazy including myself and I even got a petition going on change.org to say make this film yeah <laughs> that's um, all it, it didn't really add up to me why why he would just post these beautiful concept pieces with just no merit behind it. Like, oh, you know, this is a project I was working on. I don't think I'm working on it anymore, though. But, I mean, you have this really talented director. I mean, my favorite film by him is definitely District 9. Oh, yeah. And that is, you can see the alien inspiration in that when you watch it. So, you know, it's really nice to see somebody who has um, proven talent just take take on this project. And of course, you know, you have Sigourney, who's definitely going to be in it for sure. Yeah. And then there's the concept art with Michael Bean as Hicks. So it's possible that he might be brought back. Um, I haven't seen anything about Bishop or Newt, but I think it would be really interesting to see them come back. Yes. And if they're going to, if what Neil Blomkamp's saying is true in terms of um, Alien, this Alien 5, which is kind of not really going to be an Alien 5, it's going to be a genetic sequel to Aliens. So they're dis- right. they're discarding Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection, which I love Alien 3. It's one of my favorite films, but I have no problem with him doing that, you know? Um, See, I, I think one of the, the real issues um, with the latter two sequels in the Alien series is that you have an amazing first act you have a spectacular second act and then you have a third act that went through several years of development in hell before they finally decided basically on the last dude who could do it and then said, okay, make this movie. And then to this day, David Fincher like despises, you know what he created. And then you have alien resurrection, which I felt was just like a nineties cash grab. Yeah. Cause there were, there are, there were so many of those reboots and, and awful sequels in the nineties. But, you know, it's it's really hard to follow something like Alien uh, and Aliens. So it'll be really interesting to see how Blomkamp takes it. Because, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, they could just be in hypersleep or, you know, they're just dreaming. Because at the end of Aliens, they mention, oh, are we going to dream? Yeah, we're going to dream all the way home. Yeah. So so it's pretty interesting. Um, and there's a, then there's other people that are theorizing that it could be that the Ripley that ends up on Fury 161 is actually the clone Ripley. So, you know, there's all sorts of things going around. There is, and I'm not really too concerned. Um, I mean, obviously, Sigourney Weaver's 65. She looks fantastic. If someone told me, if I didn't know who she was and someone told me she's 65, I wouldn't believe it. She looks like she's about 50. She looks really good. Um, oh, yeah, she does. She takes care of herself. And Michael Bean, I was just looking at photos of him today from, like, 2014. He looks pretty good. I mean, he looks... I don't know how old he is. He's got to be in his late 50s at least. Um, I want to say he's closer to 60. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite works from him is the voiceover work he did for Far Cry Blood Dragon, the video game. Oh, yeah, I'm not familiar. Um, basically, it's this total spoof of every trope of the 1980s action and sci-fi and horror films. It's a great... Great video game. He plays the main character in it. Um, I do know that he was involved in Aliens Colonial Marines yes. video game. Yes. And he said he absolutely hated working on it. Really? 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I remember reading that somewhere. He wasn't thrilled with how it turned out. Um, uh, obviously, a lot of fans weren't either because they retconned Hicks into the game as a survivor. And the story of who ended up on Fury 161 was just another Marine who got killed. That's so. weird. Oh, that's very, very interesting. That's very, very interesting. And Fox deemed it as canon, which I think is absolute garbage because the game was awful. But that's another discussion for another day. Yeah. Well, and I think the interesting thing, too, about him ret- them retconning Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection, I mean, I, I, I have faith that Neil Blomkamp knows what he's doing. Someone who's that oh, passionate. Oh, definitely in good hands. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. I mean, despite my... I mean, I have... I love District 9. Genius work. I haven't ever seen anything like it. I didn't like... Elysium, but I was thinking about Elysium on my way home because I knew we were going to be discussing this. And right. Elysium, I've still never seen anything like Elysium. Now, the story ends up being Avatar, or like we discussed before, sole white man in sea of ethnicities then saves, <laughs> decides <laughs> that I, yes, I shall save you from evil white people in space. And then you have the only two women in the film, one's a bitch, and the other <laughs> one is the damsel in distress. Right. Um, and I don't like to use the term bitch uh, towards women, but that's what she was written as. She was cold. She was unfeeling. She didn't care. She was one-dimensional. Um, like Vickers. Yeah, although Vickers, to me, on Prometheus, had a little bit more of heart. Um, but, you know, here's the thing, and here's the thing that excites me a little bit about, or not a little bit, a lot about Blomkamp. District 9, if you listen to the dialogue, effects aside, concept designs aside, the the dialogue sounds real. They sound like real people. There's a lot of talking over each other. It sounds very almost, um, what's the word, uh, when improvisational, which is a lot of what Alien like was. Yes, lines. and it yeah. sounds real. And when when the Alien franchise really kind of broke down with, with, with Alien Resurrection, I mean, the dialogue was horrible. No one felt real. No one seemed real. No reaction seemed real. And they're seeing the alien, the crew, the Betty, seeing, seeing the alien for the first time. And they're like, what is that? What is that? It just didn't buy it. Um, and then you have Prometheus, um, which, again, amazing concept. Some great things in there. Um, great engineers. The dialogue didn't seem real. The, the audience ends up being smarter than the actual characters. And, right. the, you know, the audience ends up being smarter than the the biologist and the uh, geologist who end up leaving first. And then uh, Shaw, I think, I think she was, I don't, I love Numi Rapace, I love her, but I don't think that she did, she performed the, the, the role very well. And she was kind of a no. goody two shoes. I just didn't like her. Um, See, when, when you have when you have a female lead like that, you want somebody who's really strong and independent and just badass like Sigourney. You know, when you think of strong female leads, like the first person I think of is typically like Sigourney Weaver or Sandra Bullock or somebody like that. Yeah. You know, just these phenomenal actors who are so refined in their craft that they could just take anything and be like, you know, like Tom Hanks can do literally anything, like just like an every man, but like an every woman. Um, and then... You know, I just I just didn't think Shaw had much going for her because she seemed really dependent on uh, Dr. Holloway. Yes, yes. In many ways, um, to provide for a lot of the things that fulfilled what made her character her. And I know and then, the. Go ahead. Uh, and then the 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 whole the whole the whole, the whole religious aspect was was kind of kind of like okay, you know, what is this doing here? Yeah. Well, and there was a very heavy-handed portion where. 
they're in Shaw's dream in Prometheus, and um, her father's like, well, that's what I choose. That's what they choose to believe, and this is what I choose to believe. And it was this ridiculous foreshadowing into Prometheus saying. Where she then says, well, that's what I choose to believe. It's so heavy-handed. It's so bad. Like, the writing is... They wrote Prometheus, and I blame Damon Lindelhoff for this. I really do. He wrote Prometheus like stupid people were going to watch it. Um, (laughs) And I think that's the problem with writers. They don't trust that audiences are smart people. And, of course, you and me are a little bit different. We're a little bit more hardcore fans, but... The people, right. the people that I know who still who love aliens and who aren't hardcore fans like I am, they're really smart people, and they right. can really they can suspend their disbelief. But the characters also need to work. And when again, like you know, uh, when you have the geologist and the biologist getting in trouble and getting lost, it's like it starts breaking everything down. And then like there's that scene with Shaw in Prometheus when um, Holloway goes into their bedroom and. She's talking about uh, the DNA of the, the the engineers match the DNA of the humans, and they talk about making life, and she starts saying, I can't make life, and she starts getting all weepy. I'm like, really? Really? She's going to break down millions and millions of miles away from home about the fact that you're sterile. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the fact that you haven't had this conversation before. Right. Um, see, like, my biggest quarrel with Prometheus wasn't the fact that it left more ambiguous questions for the viewers. It was the cardboard characters. I, f- I feel that if you had something that was more akin to, say, like, you know, the crew that you have an Alien, just like, you know, believable, actual people, I think that would have been cool. I mean, because the biologist and geologist, you know, one dude smoking pot in his spacesuit, and the other guy's just standing there looking at, like, this alien creature and calling it beautiful and he does nothing when it attacks him and breaks his arm yeah you know like come on are you really gonna do that yeah and then then you have shaw who's like okay no weapons when they're first going into the dig yeah the big site whatever yeah which is ridiculous everything ridiculous i mean you're going into what is plausibly and obviously alien technology and you don't know actually what you're going into now, maybe you're not going to use weapons, but you're going to bring a weapon along because that's the smart thing to do. And as a uh, scientist and as a, yeah, as a scientist and archaeologist, she should know that. She would know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that kind of thing is just like, really? Seriously? And then, and then you have them going in there and they're like, oh, hey, the air is breathable. Oh, that's fine, but don't take your helmet off because you still don't know what's in there. It's just exactly. those little things that end up f- tripping the film up and... I think largely um, the blame really falls squarely on Ridley Scott. He should have known better. He should have be- paid more attention. And I, my, my other big problem with the film was the score. The score sucked. Um, it sounded like Star Trek. Um, <laughs> and I like Star Trek. I really do. But it, not for an alien film. And, you know, the score for Re- Alien Resurrection sucked too. And I'm a big score guy. I love good scores. Jerry Goldsmith. Oh, absolutely. You know, I Jerry mean, Jerry Goldsmith all the way. Uh, this st- soundtrack to Interstellar by Hans Zimmer. Amazing. One of the uh, best soundtracks. The soundtrack I've... to The Thing by Ennio Morricone. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. Oh, my God. Uh, the Mission by Ennio Morricone as well. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so you come off, you have Ridley Scott making this film coming off of a, a score by Jerry Goldsmith. And I'm listening to this. Um, score by Mark 
I don't I can't pronounce his name. Uh, I don't want to mispronounce it, but Mark, whoever his whatever his last name is, um, did his score for Prometheus, and I was like, this is the best that you have. And Ridley Scott, you signed off on this as this is being a great score. It's terrible. Um, I think one of the key things that they missed out on, um, specifically, like we mentioned earlier, the Ultramorph. Now, to our listeners, um, that is a piece of concept art. I believe that dude you interviewed drew that. Um, but basically, it's this creature that would have emerged from an engineer, and it would have been closer in design to the original Xenomorph. Yes. So it, it would have looked a lot more like H.R. Giger's original concepts. Um, you know, the long phallic head with the eyes at the end and the two mouths, and it would have been like eight or nine feet tall, so around the size of an engineer. But, um, you know, they th- that had a lot of promise, and it ended up, we got the Deacon, which was kind of a disappointment. Yeah, it was. And, you know, the face, actually that interesting kind of mouth, which they patented after a shark in the ocean that has a mouth that looks like that, that was cool. Mm-hmm. The mouth part was cool. Uh, why it was blue, I have no idea. Um, and it looked like it was in a blue jumpsuit. Like there was no like. It there... looked like a little person in a suit. Absolutely, like absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't so much. The, it wasn't the effect of the Deacon. It was the design of the Deacon. And seeing, you know, I have the making of the Prometheus book, which I don't know if you have, but I do. Okay, it's a wonderful book. It is amazing. Everybody, anyone, any kind of fan should get that book. It's awesome. I also have Alien Vault, which is great. Um, yes. Um, essentially, if you have the Alien Anthology Blu-ray, you've seen everything in Alien Vault, but it's it's <laughs> yeah. just the the paper version of it. Yeah. Um, not not to knock the author because I thought it was a wonderful book. Yeah. I a much so too. more thorough book that I would recommend is Alien: The Archive, which came out recently. Um, that was written by I believe Mark Salisbury. Is that um, the one where Sigourney Weaver signed it? She signed seventy five copies of it. Yes, I okay. just heard about that recently. Yeah, I don't know um, how today. much that's going for, but I know that I can't afford it. <laughs> uh, it's sold out already. It oh, was I'm like sure. 150 euros. Wow. And they have one that you can get signed by Ridley Scott. Oh, I wow. have not seen that one. Huh. Um, but that, that encompasses all four films, and it's just crazy in depth. Hold on and then one the, second. The Wayland Utani report, I believe, is coming out in May. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, great stuff. To, and what I like about the Alien universe or whatever is, yes, there's some books and there's not a ton of stuff. So it's easily you can kind of easily collect things. Um, mm-hmm. But those two books that I own, uh, I really my next thing for me is a good uh, to purchase a good um, NECA or some kind of Hot Toys twelve uh, inch whatever version of the Big Chap. Oh that's, yeah, that's, that's what that's I want. A must have. Yeah. Yeah, um, the reaction toys are pretty cool too. The Funkos, um, those are interesting because they're based off of the original molds for the Kenner action figures that were planned for the original film. Yeah, I saw those. Um, but the only toys that ended up being produced by Kenner was the I want to say the twelve or eighteen inch um, Big Chap with the removable dome and the I want I I think the mouth went out on that one. I'm not sure, but basically they were marketing something. For kids, and this was a very mature adult film, and I think that was a pretty conservative time back then. So yeah, <laughs> it wasn't wasn't the best gesture by Kenner. Absolutely. So, so um, Reaction makes those toys now, and they have some really cool action figures, not just with Alien but uh, Terminator as well. Um, so they have some really cool stuff. 
they're pretty cool. Whoops. All right. Um, so getting back to, um, I mean, I, I think we were kind of discussing certainly Neil Blomkamp's Alien, but really what wasn't working in uh, Resurrection and Prometheus. And I think the, with Prometheus, I, I give it a little bit more of a, not so much a pass, but it was so beautiful. It was so well done. The effects were flawless. Um, but it falls short ultimately because it of does. the cardboard characters. It does, it does. And um, I, I, I expect more. I expect more out of a hundred and something million dollar budget. Um, I expected more from Alien Resurrection, but I think what's what's great about Blomkamp is he went to Fox saying, this is the film I want to make, and they signed on. It wasn't Fox saying, oh, we need to make some more money off another sequel, let's shop it around, and then let's ultimately fire people that we don't like and, re- and you know, fuck with it, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Neil Blomkamp said, no, this is my vision, this is what I want to do, and they're like, yes, let's do it. Well, um... What ended up becoming Prometheus was originally slated to be a joint venture between uh, James Cameron and Ridley Scott. Around 2001 or 2002, they started working together on what would become Prometheus, but at the time was called Alien 5. And uh, they kind of got put on the back burner by Fox and and all the studios and all that because uh, Alien vs. Predator, which was garbage, was... uh, you know, being put in a pre-production at that point. So Fox wanted to garner more of the attention towards the uh, franchises coming together full circle on film. And uh, ultimately, they ended up being a disappointment. And but, I'm, um, I'm shocked. I am shocked. I remember when all that was happening. I remember reading it on Dark Horizons about that. Um, I am I was floored that Fox thought would did not take James Cameron or Ridley Scott. Seriously, James Cameron, who has the most successful financially successful film of all time titan no well now it's avatar um but at mm-hmm. the time it was titanic and i'm thinking wait a minute these these these, these guys have proven track records yes and you're telling them no it's like a dozen blockbusters each essentially and you want to make alien versus predator with the guy who did resident evil yeah. are you fucking kidding me yeah and uh sigourney weaver said it best she goes you know they're just going to take these great iconic ideas and shit all over him and that's exactly what happened now did i see alien versus predator both of them yeah i first... saw both of them me too. opening day me too i was i was so waiting for the second one to make up for how bad the first one was. yeah but and i didn't go in there thinking like oh these are these are you know these are going to be good films i thought hey there's the alien on screen um but you know I, i'm interested uh, ADI, or if no one knows, if our listeners don't know, amalgamated, amalgamated dy- design. Yeah, or, or dynamics. Dynamics, yeah. yeah. Um, they've been doing the creature effects for the Alien film since Alien Three. Now, they actually I- uh, Tom Woodruff, I believe, who's played all the aliens on screen. Uh, he he worked with James Cameron. Yes. on Aliens. At that time, he was with uh, Industrial Light and Magic. However. Um, so it wasn't his. It wasn't his firm. It was Industrial Light and Magic and Stan Winston doing the effects. But Tom Woodruff was working for them, and he was in costume. Yep. Um, from what I know. But since Alien Three, it's been ADI, Amalgamated Dynamics Incorporated, doing the effects. And I, what even though I feel like um, Alien Three is a masterpiece, I really do. I really love it. I the effects are horrible, and I don't know if uh, I, I. It's. And a lot of it is the rod puppet that they used. They they uh, comp uh, composite a rod puppet into the film, and sometimes you see it, and you can see kind of a weird line around it, and it looks completely fake. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, it looks like uh, the effect scenes in the original versions of Star Wars. Yeah, you and can then see the really visible black lines around what's composited in. Yeah, and then you and then you you cut that with um, Woodruff, isn't it Woodruff in the suit? Yeah, yeah, you cut yes. that with Woodruff in the suit, and he's kind of more bulky, and the alien looks thicker and fatter. Um, it doesn't look right, and then they cut back to the rod puppet, and it just it just sucked. The effects just sucked, and uh, I that really affected me, and it really upset me because, uh, you know, for Alien and Aliens, they were flawless. In fact, I think James Cameron, um, even though Alien is one of my favorite films of all time, I think James Cameron one-upped the effects in well, Alien. Well, because you had so many more aliens on screen. Yeah, and they didn't look like people in suit. They moved no. like like bugs. They, you know how when the, their their mouths were opening, they were kind of shaking that that weird like like the like twitch. yeah that twitch like bugs do. And it was oh it was great. And then Alien Three you know comes around. Although there's one shot in Alien Three that I think is iconic and amazing, and it's when the alien approaches Sigourney. That you know famous shot, and that creature looks awesome. Um, oh yes, but that's the best it looked in the film. The rest of it, the rest of it sucked. See, um, I'm kind of on the fence. I guess it really depends, like on what time of day it is. But I'm a little ambivalent about Alien Three. Uh, the theatrical cut, I did not enjoy, but the assembly cut was much more enjoyable. And um, I think the strongest point about Alien Three is the fact that it's only technically an alien film because there's only you know, it goes back to the roots of the series. There's only one alien, and you have this skeleton crew yes. of people trying to survive and fight it, um, which was pretty interesting. I thought the set design was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dylan is the coolest character in that film, besides Ripley. Um, the preacher guy. Yeah, oh, yeah, I remember. Oh, and, my favorite. And I thought uh, Clemens was I'm great. I'm not much for Bregan. Yeah, no one's good. No one ever gave me nothing, um, and I like Clemens. I think Clemens, unfortunately, was a little bit underused, and he he bit it way too fast. And I think I like Alien Three for the reasons a lot of people hate it um, or don't like. And I like Alien Three because it was like, yes, everybody's dead. Newt is dead. Hicks is dead, and you got to still survive. And I'm sorry, and I know you wanted a happy ending, but this is an unhappy ending, and it felt a little bit more authentic in some ways. Um, that it wasn't. I, I agree that it did feel a little more authentic. Um, as far as being an authentic bookend to the trilogy and Ripley's story, I think they could have done a little bit better. Um, William Gibson's script, which I believe is the first draft that was ever submitted for Alien 3, is my favorite. Um, it's a great one. I think... Um, yeah, I have I have a link for it. I can I can post it on our page, but it's just a great read. You can find it for free online, and uh, it just shows what Alien Three could have been. But um, I've read yeah, it. I've read I, it too. I read it when I was in college, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was interesting. You know, I, I'll be honest with the Gibson skip script. Um, I had a hard time envisioning uh, a, a wooden world floating in space. I just didn't envision that. Like I. And maybe I could, you know, maybe it would have been awesome, but I just, it seemed implausible to me. Um, I, th I think the wooden planet one with the monks, I think that was a later script. Uh, William Gibson's, I believe, centered around um, Marines that try to find out what happened to the Sulaco, and they find um, Bishop's Half and this and that. Um, was that another I, script that he had written? 
I want to say it's the first draft that he submitted. Um, okay. I'm getting, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here, but I, I remember that William Gibson submitted the first script. Now he's a fantastic cyberpunk author. Yes. Uh, the Sprawl trilogy is just phenomenal. Some of the best books ever written. But um, yeah, well, what was I, interesting? I think Alien Three could have been a lot more. I, and I would agree. I would agree. And what was interesting about uh, Gibson's script, I will say, is that Ripley is out of it for a lot for a lot of the film. She's under. She's like in in stasis. She's kind of. Uh, she's not in it, and then eventually, towards the end, she's in it. At least that's the the, the version I have. All I have all of the script versions that were turned in for Alien Three. Um, I do as well. Oh, do you? Um, I want to say that one centered more on Hicks and Bishop. Bishop got like a new body or something, hmm. and they went to the space station, and they get. There's, there's an alien on board. Now, you have to remember at that time the Cold War was still going on. It was kind of still the tail end, but um, the threat of nuclear war was still very uh, present at that point in the 80s. And um, I think the script was written where there were two factions, like you had the United Aerospace or whatever, which was like you know the United Americas and this and that, uh, colonized planets with democracy. And then you had what was essentially like uh, communists, but in space, and it was just this cold war with aliens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, and I don't remember that. I, I, I read most of those scripts. Again, I got those scripts when I was in college. I was went to film school. That you're talking years ago now. So, but I, they were very, very intriguing. And um, yeah, ultimately, what we saw, obviously, in Alien Three, was kind of a a conglomeration of many ideas and that, like kind of really distilled really really distilled but you know what one thing i love about alien 3 is the the score again it's just yes. brilliant um it's got it's at, it has a lot of atmosphere it's got a lot of it just kind of a lot it's very hopeless but again that's kind of the situation ripley was in um and you know getting back to blomkamp's alien it's going to be really interesting to see the explanation as to how why she's aged again, um, if Newt will be there, who is going to be Newt if Newt is there, you know, would they get Carrie Han? I've, I've been hearing, I heard from you earlier, but I've been hearing from other people that she said she would not, she's done, period, no more. Um, I, I just know that Alien is the only major production she's been on. Yeah, uh, yeah. I believe she did a couple plays and then commercials or something. Um, but don't quote me on that. I yeah. just know that I've read online that the only thing that she ever did was Alien, and she got made fun of in school for playing Newt. <laughs> yes, I remember that. I remember. Well, I remember reading about that. Obviously. Um, so um, yeah, she she doesn't she doesn't do much anymore. I, she's a teacher now. Um, she is, as far as I know, a member on the Wayland Utani board. Although which someone is, said uh, Facebook group. Yes. Someone uh, said that 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 um, profile is not her. It's a fake profile. Interesting. I don't know. Um, it could be, it could not be, but um, who, whoever is using that account, um, they're they're active. Like they'll they'll lurk a little bit, but they don't they don't post or anything. Um, I've I've creeped on the profile a little bit, and uh, judging by the comments on the profile pictures, it appears to be a legitimate profile. Interesting. I um, wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. Some of her childhood friends commenting oh you remember back at school when you came in to show and tell and said oh yeah i'm gonna be in a movie and we got all excited huh um so who knows um 
whatever. <laughs> it'd be uh, it'd be interesting to see them try and bring back Newt, though. So, uh, what's what's your theory on what Alien Five is going to be? Oh my gosh, I, I, you know that's something that's been in my head a lot. Uh, just trying to think of really what this film could be about. Um, again, what what I'm trying to the first hump I'm trying to get over is how they're gonna how they're going to explain New, uh, Ripley and Hicks uh, aging. Um, what are the, uh, I, that could be easily explained away. Um, I would even you know if they're gonna retcon Alien Three and Alien Resurrection, um, which I think we should talk a little bit more about Alien Resurrection in a minute. But if they're gonna retcon those, which I'm fine with, I don't even think that. Well, they're gonna need to explain their aging, but they they, they don't even need to say she was dreaming about all these other things, which might be Alien Three and Alien Resurrection. Just let's not talk about them. And in fact. Um, I don't know what studio, I think it was Warner Brother. they really, they did that with uh, Superman Returns. Um, there had been all these sequels, and then Brian Singer... They just totally started their own canon with oh, yeah. the reboot. Yeah, Brian Singer just decided, hey, we're going to start after Superman 2. And this was basically Superman 3, um, which didn't really go anywhere. But, um, yeah, I don't, I, you know, there's, um, Neil Blomkamp's conceptual designs are really fascinating. They have the Juggernaut. Um, which is the the alien ship or the ship from Alien and Aliens in this big warehouse, and it looks like it's been there for a long time. Um, it looks like there's this big kind of space station or something. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I I think he needs to do something radically different. Um, I I don't. I, I really. I, I I can't. I I don't think it should be on Earth. Um, it maybe should be on some space station on another planet. Maybe, maybe it's a maybe that station or that that whatever that building is from the concept designs is LV four twenty six, and this is so Ripley and Hicks and everyone wake up thirty years later, and um, Waylon Yutani is bigger and better than ever, and they're now on LV four twenty six, and it's been um, what what's the term uh, terraformed, and there's operation there, and maybe something happens. That's... Well, it was it was terraformed um, at the time of aliens. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yep, that's what the colony was for. Yep. Um, what what I'm thinking is it's either going to be one of two things. Um, I think it could go by way of the comics and just say, you know, they get back to Earth and they're fine and they live their lives, and then maybe they get pulled back to the wolves for a second time, you know, because something happens. And there's an alien somewhere in the galaxy, and Ripley, Hicks, Bishop, and Newt have to go back and just kick ass one more time. <laughs> I think that would be interesting. Yeah, I, yeah. I, although it would make a little bit more sense if they were uh, jerked up from um, cryosleep. To yeah, me. I was, I was kind of thinking like you know, like the Sulaco gets like seized by Wayland Yutani. Yeah. And instead of what transpires in Alien 3, that could be disregarded as, like, an Infinity's canon. Like, just kind of placed off to the side, like a what if. Yeah. And uh, they get they get seized by Wayland yutani and just, like, kind of frozen in hypersleep for, like, 30 years or so. And just um, maybe they're being experimented on or something. But but they wake up just essentially like thirty years later and then go from there, and then in the meantime, you know, Wayland Yutani wants to learn more about the alien, so they're gonna get as much that they can, 
just out of the galaxy because obviously you know through the comics and, and novels and expanded material it's it's obvious that the alien is not just present on lv426 code so um it's possible that it could take place somewhere else but I'm I'm interested to see how it comes about. Me too. And I, what's fascinating and what I love about this is I just have no idea. So um and well, my question to you is this then: Are you going to spoil yourself, or what are you going to do? Because I right now I can't help but read everything I see. Um, I'm kind of on the fence because I I kind of ate up everything about Alien Isolation, and uh, as much that I gathered from the internet as humanly possible, I was still not prepared all the plot twists in the game um obviously the game's been out for like months now so i don't think the spoilers that i'm about to say are really going to matter um unless you have not played it in which case i will just avoid no you can say it i haven't played it but i'm not really a gamer to be honest okay uh so basically amanda ripley goes looking for her mom um she works in the same zeta 2 reticuli region of space and the company basically finds the black box of the Nostromo, and it's on this space station called Sevastopol, which is pretty close to LV-426. Um, it orbits this gas giant. So basically there's an alien on board and this and that. Um, but one of the things the developers prided on the entire time pre-release was there's only going to be one alien, there's no face huggers, there's no other forms of alien, but the adult. And... That totally turned ass backwards when uh, three quarters of the way through the game, there's an alien hive and there's face huggers and multiple aliens on screen at once, and it's just a clusterfuck and brick shitting fest. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the best way I can describe it. But going through the alien hive, oh my god, I had nightmares for a week about that. Wow, wow, that's fascinating. But um, yeah, um, I just kind of ate everything up about that, and and like Jurassic World, like you know. If you go on Reddit or you go on these other websites, you can see a lot of the movie just in pictures before it comes out. And that uh, that's that's a pretty big spoiler for a lot of people. So I personally try to avoid stuff like that. Like, I know what the new dinosaurs look like. I know what the sets look like. But the rest is going to be a surprise, and I want to keep it like that. Yeah, but, and I'll see Jurassic but with, World. Uh, but with something like Alien, I think it might might be a little different but we'll just have to see how things pan out and you know i, I i'm a little bit gun shy well also i should ask you too and i'll give you my opinion first um now that there's a new alien film coming out i could really give a shit about prometheus 2 to be honest i'll see it for sure i haven't been excited about prometheus 2 i mean i've been i've been talking about it and i've been on avp galaxy and on the forums talking about it and i'm interested in it but to be honest, I mean, I just watched Prometheus late, uh, like a few days ago, and I know you did too, uh, and it was less watchable. Um, I, I, I think I fell asleep in a couple parts, not because I was bored, I just was tired, but um, I just don't care if Shaw goes back to Paradise or whatever the engineer homeworld is. Will I be there opening day? Absolutely, I'll be there opening day. But for me, what the Alien Saga has always been about has been Ripley. I'm interested in Ripley's it's story. story. It's it's the heart of it's the human journey that's always um, attracted me to the Alien Saga, and I love seeing the alien, and I, I think all the the creepy monster stuff. It's great. It's great, and I, I'm waiting to be scared again. Um, I want Neil Blomkamp to make an alien creature scary, and not just make the creature scary. I want him to m 
create characters that sound real, that act real, that are smart. Because that's another thing about Ripley. She's smart. She is so smart. Um, she doesn't like, she's not like, oh, I'm going to go downstairs. Um, you know, she's, she's not the typical cannon fodder. She's, she's really, really intelligent. Yeah. And I think, uh, Sigourney brings a lot of herself into, um, I think she brings a lot of herself into the, uh, films, which is really good because, you know, she's really intelligent in real life. Oh yeah. I mean, she could, she could talk for days about how much she loves alien and this and that. And she's really cool with the fans, but an interesting tidbit about Sigourney is that her name is not actually Sigourney. Yes. The name Sigourney comes from The Great Gatsby, and it was a minor character in the novel. Um, so she, I think she just showed up to her first professional audition for something and said, yeah, my name is Sigourney. You know, she got it from The Great Gatsby. That's, yeah. that, that is what I have heard. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I haven't heard about The Great Gatsby, but I know her name, her birth name is Susan Alexandra Weaver. Um, Correct. And, uh, and, and she was 29 when she made... Uh, alien. I mean, she was so, very so young. So she she wasn't she wasn't you know the youngest, exactly. She was well into her adulthood. Yeah. But um, it's interesting because she does she does not look thirty in Alien at no, all. No, she doesn't. I mean, and even in Alien, so she was in her thirties in Aliens. However, I would say in I mean, she's a little bit. She looks ageless. She doesn't age to me. I mean, again, she seeing her now. She's sixty five. I I can't even. I can't even. I can't she make look sense a of day that. Past 50. No, she doesn't. She looks great. I mean, she looks as good as Madonna does. Unfortunately, this is a little bit of a. I won't. I wish Carrie Fisher looked that good. I wish Carrie Fisher sounded that good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> here we go. Um, I um, not that we, I. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just say I I. I'm a feminist and I, I don't believe in criticizing the way women look, but being a fan of Leia and a little bit, I'm nervous about uh, how Carrie Fisher is going to come off in the force awakens and her chemistry with Han. But anyways, that's a subject for another time and another <laughs> podcast. Uh, I, I believe you said you wanted to talk about resurrection a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I think resurrection again, there were some very interesting ideas in resurrection. I, I liked the idea of, I think the way they brought Ripley back in terms of cloning, the idea of cloning, I'm, I was okay with. But they should have done it where they had blood samples and they cloned her back. And, like automatically. Yeah, and their alien, the DNA was mixed, and so then they were able to remove the DNA from the alien, and then they, they got an alien from regenerating that DNA in another place, as opposed to, hey, let's clone this woman. And as she grows, the alien grows. That's just stupid. <laughs> it's stupid science. See, um... Yeah, you really, really have to. You're on the coattails of suspending disbelief with Resurrection. Oh, yeah. It was like uh, a parody. It was a parody film, really. It, <laughs> I mean, it, I, I, absolutely. I, can't, I don't even know if I'll ever, even be able to watch that film again. I think just because ultimately I think my favorite film of the franchise is Alien. Um, absolutely. For In every way, just the, the, the realness of the characters. And I'm always going to go back and talk about that. How real the characters were. How great the dialogue was. How smart. The sets. Yeah, the sets. It just, it was living and breathing. And um, it blows me away every time. And just, just the pacing and the quietness of it. Which James Cameron was able to really capture too. Um, the only thing that James Cameron did, which I thought he probably didn't need to do, was blow the queen out the, the airlock. I mean, we've already seen an alien being blown out an airlock. We don't need to see two of them. That aside, Aliens is a masterpiece, no doubt. The first two are, are masterpieces. Oh, yeah. Um, at the end of the day, the latter two films, they're still alien films. Um, 
uh, am I going to groan if Resurrection comes on? Yeah, probably. But I mean, it's it's still Aliens. Oh, yeah. And I'll see it, too. I mean, certainly, if I see it on TV, I'm like, oh, wow, look. Even though I have it on Blu-ray, you know, like three right. times on Blu-ray. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the idea of Ripley kind of dealing with the fact that she's got Alien mixed in with her and her kind of internal dialogue and you see that on her face and it was very intriguing and the clone room scene was brilliant and probably the only brilliant thing um we didn't need call on there oh she's an android and nobody knew we've seen it that was before. an absolute waste of a good actress yeah yeah and <laughs> uh, i jean, jean pierre Genet, who is one of my favorite directors was just wrong he was wrong they should have had danny boyle do it um who they originally spoke to and Sigourney Weaver met with, but he got cold feet because of the the effects. He had never done a big effects-ridden film before, and he backed out of it. Um, I think it probably would have been a very much a, a much better film if he would have directed it. But that's spilt milk by now. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think one of my biggest quarrels with it, besides the entirety of the whole film, <laughs> is um, <laughs> just how far into the future it takes place. Like it takes it takes. 200 years to clone such a significant person in the history of that universe. Like, obviously, they have faster than light travel. They have machine guns that can shoot, you know, targets literally a mile away. They have all this technology. They can remove face huggers or uh, they can remove chest bursters without uh, killing people. But they can't clone Ripley for 200 years. And yeah. it ends up being. It ends up being that Walmart buys the government or the army or something like that. And they own everything. So it's kind of, like you said, it's a parody film because Walmart does essentially own everything. And I don't like that the Walmart thing was just stupid to me. I just like, you know what? What they should have done is, okay, if you're going to clone Ripley, clone her four years later after the events of Fury um, uh, Fury 161. Like, don't, why, why 200 years in the future? And then you have Call there talking about... Um, androids and they burn their modems and it just it was it was ridiculous it, it didn't it 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 tried to kind of establish new kind of this new universe that we're in and the Wayland Utani's gone but the company was pretty badass I mean they're a badass bad guy um, which is really the bad guy the company was the bad guy the alien creature was just kind of caught in the middle even though it was it's kind of a nasty, mean creature. The company was the real evil. And that's what I like about Ripley. Um, um, and I, I'm Philosophically, uh, the idea that Ripley is telling people something's wrong and no one's listening to me. Um, Essentially, yeah. Because there's a big corporation behind her saying our profits are, are bigger than, uh, than what you, than your concerns or your friends. And that's, to me, um, is the heart of the film. Part of the films, Alien. The you know the the crew was expendable. Because it's because of weapons division. The profits are bigger. You know, Aliens. The same thing. Um, Alien Three. The same thing. Um, and I like that. We should kind of keep that going and see um, where that With takes the evil us. Evil corporation. Just just be that. Um, just make that one of the the themes in Alien Five. That's what you were going for. Yeah, I mean certainly. Make it smart. Make it you know. Let's see where the company is at this point. But I I, I like. You know, I mean, look at us in real life. I mean, look at there's companies like Monsanto and all these pretty pharmaceutical companies, all these pretty insidious evil corporations that have been around for years and right. they just want to make profits and they don't care about people. I mean, it's a reality that we live with as, as human beings. I think to continue that reality in 
um, it makes the film more real. And absolutely. Um, well, even even in Prometheus, you know, Peter Wayland, he's like a hundred and five dudes like crumbling apart, and he basically spends everything that he has to his name to go find, you know, answers, you know, and just try to extend his life and do all these things, and he ultimately fails. So, I don't yeah. know where I was going with that. No, <laughs> no worries. I mean, there, there's so much to talk about. Uh, uh, I mean, we have we have enough we have enough fodder to you know fill up many many podcasts. Um, but I, I just think it's just a really exciting time to be a fan right now. Not just an alien fan, but certainly an alien fan, but a sci-fi fan. I mean, I mean, this is just a fan of anything in general. Yeah, I mean, you're talking alien. You're talking we're getting a new Blade Runner. Hopefully that's good. Yes. Um, yes. You're, you're talking. We're getting Star Wars, which I think is going to be awesome. I think it's in great hands. Um, we're getting Age of Ultron. I mean, which is essentially a sign. A sign. Avengers. Or it's a science fiction film in a, in a way, I guess I would imagine. Um, but there's so much to be excited about. But again, in the alien world, we've got Neil Blomkamp's Alien coming, and then we have Pr- Prometheus Two. Um, right. There's so. I mean, they're kind of establishing Fox. Twentieth Century Fox is establishing their own sci-fi brand. universe. Yeah, it's a total, it's a brand. I mean, maybe there'll be an offshoot of, 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 uh, what do you call it? Um, oh my, Bishop's character. Um, uh, maybe there'll be an yeah. offshoot of Newt's tale, you know, which would be interesting. Maybe they're going to take a Avengers approach to it and give these characters a kind of their own little world. Um, there was a, a novel that talked about, um, the colonization of Hadley's Hope, yes. four twenty six. There was a uh, yep. River of Pain, which is the Latin translation for Acheron, or Latin or Greek, I can't remember. Really? But Acheron literally means River of Pain, and that's what the book's about. Uh, basically, it's um, just Newt and the Jordan family, and there's Marines and this and that. It's pretty good. Um, fell short in a lot of areas, but it's if you got seven bucks, it's a nice read. Okay. <laughs> That's a good. That's 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 good. Uh, I've I read. I remember when I was a kid, very young. Um, I bought Newt's Tale, the comics. Um, oh yeah. And that was awesome. And a lot of it was based off of the director's cut of Aliens. So there's a lot of information that was kind of cross pollinated into Newt's Tale. But there's also some different things too. And I really really enjoyed that. I thought it was really great. Um, yeah. But there, there's there's just a lot of territory to, uh, for Fox to mine. Um, so we'll see we'll see what they do. Oh yeah, a lot of great stuff. And stuff about uh, the new Alien film seems to be leaking every day, or not leaking. See, you know, uh, Neil Blomkamp's Coming talking about it. Official sources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I'm surprised. I don't know about you, but by the level of just how many fans I see when they they find out that they're going to retcon Alien Three and Alien Resurrection, they're like, "Oh, we're fine with that." You know? Yeah, I, I think it kind of talks. I think it it speaks a lot about how people feel because they'll you either love you know the first two or you really like the second half of the series it seems like the films polarize a lot of people and then there's some oddballs like us who just kind of enjoy all of them um but i i see a lot of people even even on our facebook page you know they're all up in arms like oh you know this kind of devalues my 
anthology box set and this and that. And it's just like, well, you can disregard that and act like it didn't happen. There's a lot of people that do that anyway. <laughs> and Alien 3 is going to be just as, I think, for myself, I'm going to enjoy it just as much, um, even with the new Alien coming out. I mean, it's just, it's it's basically an alternate, it's, it's an alternate universe. It's an expanded universe now. That's what it is. Um, or that's what it might become, depending on how they deal with it, which we don't really know. We don't know how they're going to deal with Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection. I mean, Blomkamp could really say, hey, no, I'm not disregarding those. But this is the sequel to the third film. So he could do it in a really interesting way. But what's interesting about... Um, okay, so I have to talk about the Star Wars prequels a little bit because it kind of... It it goes along with what I'm talking about. I don't like the prequels. I think they suck. I think uh, there's some great things in them. The lightsaber duel and, and, and um, the, uh, the Phantom Menace was incredible. There's some great oh, yeah. things. There's some great things in them. But I have expressed my distaste for the prequels quite a lot in the Star Wars community, which I'm very active. I'm a big Star Wars fan. And I get tomatoes thrown at me for, oh, the prequels are awesome. You're not a real fan. Fuck you. You're uninspiring. You know, just... They just didn't live up to the greatness of the original trilogy. That is... an entirely different set of good films. Oh, I I wouldn't say good films, but they're... (laughs) they're, Uh, they're, They all have their moments. They have their moments, um, but I I don't think... I think that they were poorly written and poorly executed. But they're beautiful to look at. But in the Alien... With the Alien fandom... um, you can freely talk about how much you didn't like Alien 3, and people are like, oh, yeah, I can see that. Um, and people understand that, but they say, yeah, I understand what you're talking about, but I really liked Alien 3. Um, or you can you can really freely talk about how terrible Alien Resurrection was, and people can really, people really, people really talk about that in a mature way, whereas in the Star Wars community, you're, 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 you're almost deemed not a real fan if you don't like the prequels, for some people. Um... Now, for me, in terms of Star Wars prequels, they don't exist. The only, the only films that exist are the OT, um, the original trilogy. But anyways, I, I just thought I'd bring that up just in terms of comparison, in terms of how Alien fans deal with the idea of retconning two of the films and discussing how bad certain films were. And people really are open to d- discuss it. But with Star Wars, it's a whole different it's, ballgame. It's just up in arms because when Disney acquired you know, the Lucas assets... Um, basically, they said, "Yeah, everything in the expanded universe that doesn't align with the films is bye bye." Yeah, and I think they lost a lot of fans with that. Yeah, they did, but I think that they're they're going to make it right. Um, so let's. There's obviously there's a lot that you and I are going to be talking about in the coming weeks. Um, I think we're try we're going to try to do it. I know I saw somewhere that you said we we're going to try and do it every week. I was thinking maybe every other week, but I guess we can kind of see how that goes. Um, yeah. But uh, so I, maybe if you want to talk about Wayland yutani uh, Bulletin, uh, it's great. Uh, you've been there longer than I have. But just to kind of oh, yeah. shout out to certain places on the Internet, and I have a couple p- places I'd like to talk about as well. Okay. Uh, well, the Wayland yutani board, I don't remember how I found it. It's just like one of those things you kind of just stumble upon on the Internet. Um, I think I was just looking for like a decent Facebook group um, for alien fans because that was – I've been in there for I want to say like a year, year and a half, something like that. Um, I've been through two Facebook profiles on that page because I made a new one over the summer. <laughs> um, but – 
I, I won't say that it's it's a perfect group, and I don't mean any disrespect to anybody there, but they have a really nice mod team. The admins are great. Um, there's always regular content. There's always something new to see. Um, and when people aren't posting the same article 50 times, I'd say that it's pretty nice. There are a couple people that um, should definitely take an Advil about certain things, but... Um, I'm, I'm very happy with my experience on the Wayland Utani board. Um, there's some really great people over there, like William Robbie. Uh, I believe you said you spoke to him. Yes, uh, Fell. Actually, it was Fell. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he's cool too. Um, Katie Rima, um, Cyberwolf's really awesome. He runs a great Tumblr page dedicated to specifically um, Prometheus and the first alien. Um, did I say Ross Poulter? No. Oh, he's he uh, he posts alien pictures like every ten minutes. Dude's great. <laughs> um, so there's them, and then in uh, Strange Shapes is an alien blog. They're pretty cool. Yes, I've heard of Strange Shape. I've been over there. It's it's pretty cool. You know, another great one is Alien Explorations, and it's uh, run by this guy from the UK named Dominic. Col- Colsar, I think that's how you say his last name. Um, a lot of people knew him as Wimverman. I guess that's the only way to say his name. That was his like his his online name, but I guess Facebook had a bunch of changes lately, and people have to use their real name. Um, but he's been running his alien explorations uh, website and Facebook page for a long, long time. He's awesome. Uh, ju- he just explores. He gets really deep into uh, the culture of Alien and seeing um, design elements from Alien in. Uh, like human history and like you, you know um, Egyptian things, and he sees and he talks about him, and he'll and I, I can't even explain adequately how in depth this man goes to talk about um, the Alien series, and uh, it's great, it's really great. Right, yeah, that's pretty cool. There's uh, there's a lot you could say about um, Alien. But uh, I think that about wraps it up for this one. Yeah, this I would agree. Yeah. Um, check out AVP Galaxy, everybody. They're a great, they're a great forum um, for everything. They're turning into more of an alien forum than into an AVP Galaxy forum. That's really, that's really what everybody's talking about. But um, they, uh, I believe, they did start around the height of the AVP games. In yes, the early 2000s. You're right. Um, I'm gonna post the the interview that I conducted with Carlos Huante from the concept designer, the creature concept designer from Prometheus. We'll post that on our page. And uh, yeah, I think that that wraps it up for this episode. Yes. uh, Stay tuned for the next one. Hopefully there's no technical difficulties this time. Yes. Thank you everybody for being patient. Oh yeah. We're sorry about that. We'll make it up to you guys (laughs) in the future.